welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. During worship, just two-part with the love of God. One, if you feel the love of God and you know the love of God, just that we could give him thanks for that. That we just are at a place in life where we can recognize the love of God when he is pouring himself out and we're good at receiving it, right? For me, it's been a big journey to just receive love, like that public affirmation. Like we actually have to grow that muscle. But the other part is it's real. Like sometimes... You can be in a Christian walk and just not feel the love of God, and there's no shame. But I really felt a, um, an opportunity to give him thanks for that, but also to pray that you would experience a new level of the love of God. So you just want to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes. With every eye closed, if you really are that second part and you're just like, it hurts so bad that I don't feel the love of God. I see other people experiencing it. I don't feel chosen. I don't feel seen. With every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to really pray over you when I'm praying this. Yeah, that's so great. There's a lot of hands. I want you guys to hear that. There's a lot of hands in a church on a Sunday morning where people don't feel the love of God. So I just want you to just receive this. Holy Spirit, come and let us feel the love of God. We can't do this Christian walk without it. We can't walk the faith without it. I just break off all shame, every lie, every wall that is coming between your heart and receiving the love of God. And I just speak over you that he is proud of you right where you are. He is proud of you in the middle of your mess, in the middle of the sins you think are entangling you. He is proud of you and you are worthy of feeling and experiencing the love of God. God, thank you for new measures of feeling your love. We sing these songs. It's not just songs we're singing. There really is no love like your love. There really is nothing we could taste of in this world that compares. This is what it's all about, just letting God love us. Just let God love you. My little girls say, just let me love you to one another as they're strangling each other. Just let God love you. Just say that. God, I let you love me. I let you love me. I let you love me. You loving me is easy. Me feeling your pleasure for me is easy. Now just quiet out your mind. Quiet out the distractions. This is all we get today. This is all we need. We need to see your face. We need to feel your heart for us. We need to feel your heart for others. Amen. Now that you guys are all full of love, it's going to be easy to preach to. Uh, I wanted to give you an encouraging word, call me. I, uh, I feel like you are... Um, a man of gratefulness, that you have a heart of gratefulness. And I felt like um, 
you have been, what I saw when I was just praying during worship was you have persevered through so many attacks to harden your heart and you have stood so well and you have held your heart so well. And I just saw all, I could see all this hardness and you have clung to Jesus in a way that your heart is so full of gratefulness. And I just want to honor you with that, that you are such a great man and it's such an honor to have you around. So I just bless you with that. It's not easy to hold your heart right. Any honest people in here? I thought I was really good at it and then 2020 started. <laughs> I was like, I hate humans. I hate everyone. I don't want to be a Christian. <laughs> no? Okay. Um, I mean, not in January and February, but like March, April, May, June, July, August. Okay. Um, just a little bit. But it's been really good because I have gotten really good at guarding my heart. I have gotten really good at recognizing the toxic things that get in there. And I've been really good at getting it out, really good at being honest about it. Because that's the first step to keeping our hearts right, is we actually have to take a look at what is really there and call it what it is. When it's toxic, we have to say that's toxic. If we're not sure what is toxic, if it's not in the fruit of the spirit, it's probably toxic, right? Okay, um, let me get back to my notes. Yeah, okay, where was I gonna go today? I felt so caught up in worship, like, let's just abandon the sermon, let's just keep doing ministry and worship, which is me being emotional. Landon feels God and he cries, I feel God and I think I can run through walls. I'm like, we're gonna win, we're gonna win. <laughs> We're really winning. Like, I'm watching him cry. I'm like, okay, maybe that, okay. Get more somber. Okay, get down. We're going to win. Like, I get so fired up. The athlete in me is like, we're going to win, and I'm going to run through walls. Um, anyways, did everybody stay safe through the hurricane? Good. Um, we did. We had high expectations on uh, Landon's day off during the hurricane. We thought, like, we're going to pray with our family. We are going to worship. We're going to, like, do puzzles and read books. And um, we did not. We watched, like, three movies and filled up on um, electronics and had our AC set at, like, 60. Just in case the power went out, we'd have, like, two hours before it was really hot. Anybody else do that? We, we pay our own AC bill, so we try to keep it, like, as close to 80 as we can without dying. Before I paid my AC bill, it was always at, like, 65. And then I became an adult, and I was like, it costs what? This is insane. So that was, that was our day of the hurricane. Um, everybody was overflowing on electronics, and we, um, we did not worship or pray or read books, really do anything. Um, at all. But one thing that happened was this one right here, Annabelle. Can I tell a story about you? No? Okay, I'll come back to it. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read from Hebrews 10, or your phones. Um, Hebrews 10 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So today I'm going to talk about staying the course. It's something that I have lived recently. I have lived in other seasons of my life. 
And it's something that I am focusing on doing right now. If you're focusing on staying the course, that means you're having a hard time staying the course, right? You don't need to focus on staying the course unless it's a struggle, okay? It's been a struggle. So I've really, uh, this is a now word for me, but it's also something that I've had a lot of victory in in the past. Yeah, as people of faith, we are called to run the race, to persevere, to, it says, hold unswervingly. How do we do this when things are hard? How do we do this without um, denying Jesus when things are confusing? When Christians don't make Christianity look good, how do you hold tightly to your faith and not deny Jesus and the things that he stands for? When you get accused, how do you hold tightly to scripture? How do you actually do these things? How do we do these things without getting distracted, without letting the distractions take us off course? That's what I want to talk about today. So I'm going to read Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It's a call to persevere. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. You can underline draw near. Does anyone write in their Bibles anymore? Mine is like color-coded. Okay. Um, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, underline sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We should be spurring one another on in love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. That's a good scripture, isn't it? There's a lot of things in there. We're going to stick just to the hold on part and don't swerve. Because I think everyone in here wants to stay the course, wants to run the race, wants to keep the faith. We all want to stand our ground in the name of Jesus. We all want to be unshakable. We want to be steady. But when things are hard, it's hard. I think we all know that scripture without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we want to please God, right? Yeah, we do. Okay. It is to please God is to give a good service or to bring pleasure to God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it also says here it's impossible to draw near to God. And as lovers of Jesus we should want to be in his presence. And so to draw near, we got to keep the faith. We have to believe. I, I wasn't as a, uh, aware of that part of that scripture. I knew the first part really well. And I was reading it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. That draw near part, my faith is important. My faith matters. What I believe really does matter. And, you know, we can get caught up in that first part of pleasing God and think it's about performance, but it's not. It's about keeping our eyes on the one who's faithful. 
the perfecter of our faith, the one who brings breakthrough, the one who brings justice, the one who is holy, the one who is righteous. All the things that we are longing after, they're all in him. So keeping our eyes here on him is keeping our faith. And it really does matter. So when I make a decision in life, like whether it's a season, a situation, whatever the case, I am a big why person. I need to have like at least one why written down. Like this is why I'm going through this. Otherwise, when I step into it and it's hard, I'm going to get emotional. And I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not worth it. I don't need to do it. It's hard. And I'll just slightly get off course until I'm way off course. So for me, I know my emotional self needs whys to anchor me when things are hard. And some of my whys you guys can have if you don't have your own whys on why you have faith in Jesus. You can steal mine. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of them. And hopefully this spurs you on to think like, oh man, what are my whys? Why am I a Christian? Why am I in church right now? Like, why am I doing this? Why do I read my Bible? Do I believe the Bible? Why am I going to a potluck? Why am I handing out water? Because we love Jesus. So my wise, I love Jesus. I have felt the love of God and it has ruined me. Nothing in this world, nothing in this marriage, since he doesn't know me, will ever, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do have him figured out though. Um, <laughs> and just teasing I just want to keep him on his toes you know I just want to challenge him and see if he's up for the challenge of getting to know the new Stacy every day I'm just teasing <laughs> if he could have a formula for me his whole life would just be set he would like never lose peace never have a hard day never get stressed out so anyways my wise, I love Jesus. I love God's presence. I love the love of God. I am ruined for it. When I have hard things in my life, no matter what I try to cope with, it doesn't measure up, right? It doesn't measure. In my, uh, I don't know, small thinking, I can think in the moment, this will help me cope through this. This will help, and I'll do it, and then I'll be like, it didn't work. Oh, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's it. It's it every time. So I'm ruined for it. Another one of my whys is for the next generation. And not just the younger people, but the people who have not yet said yes to God. I started my journey with God mostly in college, and I was very alone in it. And something I really longed for was some people to be like, hey, this is how you do it. So I want to stay the course. I want to keep the faith so that hopefully people can come into Christianity and not get beat up and not be hurt and get to experience the love of God in its pureness without all the crap, without all the destruction. And I want my kids to have a great life and <laughs> love Jesus. So another one, this is a 20-year-old Stacy right here, but I still kind of uh, go through these thoughts. So... I remember early on just thinking through, like, why do I read the Bible? Why am I believing in Jesus? Like, all those things. And I was like, I guess it's worth it, right? Like, if I, if, if I die and I was wrong, what did I lose? His principles are really fruitful and really good. I think it's worth the risk. That, that's just my 20-year-old self. I still think that way a little bit. I'm like, 
I don't know. It's worth it. Life's better this way. I might as well just keep going. Okay. Um, the other thing is the kingdom works. You know it's the kingdom when it translates out, out of the walls of the church and it affects the world around you and it has good fruit. The kingdom of God works. The ways of the world do not. It's so easy to know what tree you're living from, if it's good or bad, because fruit doesn't lie. You cannot get good fruit from a bad tree. And I love that scripture. It guides my life. When things aren't going right, I just look at the fruit and I'm like, where did that come from? I need to get that tree out of here. Where did that tree seeds come from? I'm not letting those in my life anymore. I love that scripture so much. It, it is foolproof. It always works. So when you have things in your life, if it's bad fruit, it came from a bad tree. If you don't know that scripture, you have to ask Sam where it is in the Bible. <laughs> when we did the school of ministry, Sam and Ashley were in Atlanta, and I would be up here teaching. We'd be like, in 1 John 4, it says, and he, Sam's like, that's not, mm -mm. it's in Hebrews 2, 11, and we're like, okay. You're like, don't call me out, but like, thanks for calling me out. Don't call me out in here right now, but afterwards, correct me so I can post my corrections myself on social media. Uh, anyways, I'm going to tell the story. Um, during the hurricane, we were, you know, reading the Bible and worshiping together all day, and um, just seeing if you were paying attention earlier, and we are standing in the kitchen, we have lots of windows, and we see somebody... She run, we see this running through the window, and I'm like, that's, I wonder where she's going in a full neon leotard outfit. And I was like, she looks like she's running laps. And I turn and look across the house through the front door, and sure enough, she's passing. And like, not just a lap or two, or th like five, seven laps. She just keeps running, and we're like, okay. I mean, I'm really like, okay, yeah. And then I look outside and she's got like towels put out and she's trying to learn gymnastics. So this is going to be her first season this fall to play soccer and that'll be her first like athletic team thing ever. So we're looking out there like, oh man, Lynn and I are just dreaming like of who she's going to become. She can be anybody she wants. But um, we're looking out there and Lynn's like, she is like so much like you. <laughs> and I'm just like kind of glowing like, oh, yeah, I'm such a hard worker. Like, I don't need anybody else. I'm just self-motivated and, like, I just get stuff done barefoot. And um, we're watching her run, and I was just thinking back, like, man, I, so I played soccer competitively from the age of about 10 and until I was, like, 25. Um, and I just had this really pure devotion to soccer, like, I didn't need anyone to push me. I didn't need anyone to tell me what to do. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do still. Right? No. I, <laughs> I really didn't. I was just self-motivated. I would spend hours in the driveway juggling and kicking the ball and um, like making up scenarios in my head of crosses and scoring and Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly. Okay. They were a big influence in my life. M my eyes were so set and focused on soccer and where I wanted to go. I didn't dream of like, I hope I start on my club team. I was like, I wanna play with Mia Ham, right? There's some quote, I'm gonna probably mess it up because that's 
my gifting. Um, it's something like you aim for the moon and you'll f hit the stars. Everyone who's squirming right now is like, oh my gosh, that's so wrong. Anyways, you aim further than you want to land. That's what that means. So I didn't want to land just starting on my club team. I wanted to play at the highest level I possibly could. And so I was always dreaming of that, and I was always working towards it. And it was just something that I had innate in me. Like, I loved it. I was focused. It was fun. My mom would come outside. This is like such a, a movie scene. She, you know, the crazy slam the door open mom comes out running yelling stop hitting the gutter and she like runs back inside i'm like i'm not hitting the gutter and it's like all this is what our gutter looked like because i would like kick the ball up on the roof it would come down and then i'd like receive it like it was in a game like um no okay <laughs> anybody played soccer um the forwards aren't the point too in case anyone is listening with landon <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just teasing, but they're not. Um, anyways, I was like just so focused. I'm watching her do her thing, and she's just focused from inside. Like, she's not doing it for what anyone else says. She's not doing it for, she's not even doing it for our pleasure or for our approval. Like, I went out there and I was like, I'm gonna go run with her. I like run outside and I like start running with her, and she's like, No, I got this. I'm like, Okay, cool. Kind of wanted to do it together. I thought we could bond. I was really good at soccer. I'm like, don't you know how big of a deal I am? <laughs> I like pull up my, my LSU jerseys and I wear them around the house sometimes just to remind everybody. I was the most successful athlete in the family, just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> Woodlawn basketball is high school. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's on the mic more. He says all the time. I just wanted to clarify in case you didn't know, there's like levels of... Division one, and then there's high school, and it's before that. Okay. <laughs> I might be a little delirious today from worship or because I didn't sleep last night, but uh, anyways. But it does go that way. It's high school, and then it's college. So, okay, pivoting into Jesus. But Jesus is a big fan of college soccer. Okay. As Christians, we are to save the course, and we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's the, that's the summary of this message. I was successful at soccer, not because I was the fastest. I mean, I would outrun anyone because I worked harder, but I kept my eye on my goal, and I worked really hard for it, and I didn't get off to the right or to the left. I stayed focused. Like when all my friends started smoking pot and drinking in junior high and messing around, I was like, that's going to take me off course. I wasn't a Christian then. I wasn't like, oh, holy, my parents taught me not to do this. I was like, I'm not going to be able to run if I go do that. I'm going to get distracted. I'm not going to be at practice if I go do that. And so it was really simple to me. This is my goal. That's a distraction. I'm going to stay on course. I didn't do as well when I was 17, 18, 19, but I got back on course after that. It was a little, a little partying, but not before a game, only like if there is enough days. Um, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, 1, it says this, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. We're to look straight ahead, not to get off to the right, 
not to get off to the left, to look straight ahead. Our yes is big enough to cover all the no's. If we're focusing on Jesus, the no's, the no's, not the no's. He will fight our battles. He will bring us victory. If we get off course and we start looking to the right, to the left, to the right, to the right and to the left, and start saying all these no's, we're fighting our own battles. We do need to say no and resist, but we do that by looking at him. When we look at him, we see everything we want in life. We have to focus on where we want to go. So here's my three points on how to stay the course. One is truth, two is our heart, and three is Jesus. We have to get our truth from God, from the Bible. This really matters. This has to be leading us not something we pull from to validate how we want to live life. We don't interpret this by what we want our life to look like. We read this and we let it lead our life. And we try to get our life to look like this. Any other way will cause destruction. His ways are for us. When we read the Bible, it's a good father for us, saying, this is your best life. This is how you get the best life. This is how you see my kingdom on earth. Not by changing scripture. Not by making your life look the way you want it to look. Our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If you didn't want to guard your heart before now, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. What seeds are in your heart? Where's your truth coming from? Are your truths coming from here? Are these the seeds that you're putting in your heart to grow the fruit you want? Or are you getting your truths from places that validate your experience? One of the biggest ways I guard my heart is just by practicing forgiveness. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily say, Jesus, who do I need to forgive? I just start saying, I need to forgive people. Like, I forgive those who have persecuted me. I forgive those who haven't understood me. I forgive those who haven't seen me. I forgive those who have blamed me. I forgive those who fill in the blank. I just start doing it because as I do it, I realize this is where I have unforgiveness. So I'm just practicing the things because I do not want unforgiveness in my heart. I don't want the seeds of it. I don't want bitterness in me. And the great lie of unforgiveness is that if you hold on to unforgiveness, you'll actually get your justice, that you'll actually affect the person who hurt you. And it is such a lie and trick because the other person is not in bondage. You are. Unforgiveness locks us in a prison. So practicing forgiveness is how we keep our heart clean. And then Jesus, I already talked about it a lot, but it's all about him, just looking at him, keeping our eyes on him, going to him, trusting him, recognizing that he is the one doing all the work. And he will do all the work. And when we look around to the right and to the left at the distractions, all it does is distract us and wear us down, make us emotional, try to get us off track. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. 
I love that lyric, heaven comes to fight for me. All the songs today, I was just like, man, I feel like these go along so perfectly, Micah, good job. You must have prayed. <laughs> or it's just, you know, by chance. Um, anyways, I just want to pray over us. I want to spend a little time praying. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to sift through our hearts. We need you to tell us what's impure. We need all false things taken out. God, I ask you to come and highlight every area that we have given to darkness, every area that we have allowed corruption to set in, anywhere we have false motives or impure motives, come and just bring it to light. No shame, just holy conviction. God is not a God of shaming or condemnation. He is a God of holy conviction that empowers us to change empowers us to look more like him, empowers us to go from glory to glory. Jesus, we need you. We need your eyes. We need your heart. We need to see ourselves the way you see us. We need to see others the way you see us, the way you see them. We just need more of you in our life. Give us a pure heart. Help us to stay the course by looking at you. God, I just ask that you come and make this faith journey easy, light and simple, light and simple. We just break off all the heaviness that Christianity, all the heaviness of Christianity, all the heaviness of church, all the heaviness of getting before Jesus, all the heaviness of performing. We just say Jesus is easy. Jesus' love is easy. Holy Spirit is easy. The Father is easy. Access is easy. You're carrying us when we're weary and faint. We just ask for your, for your covering, for your sweet covering to come over us right now, a tangible covering. I just want to pray against shame. I think that when we examine our hearts, it's real easy to get um, confused at what the voice of God sounds like. So I'm just going to pray over that for a little bit. I thank you that you're a good father. I thank you that you don't shame. I thank you that you don't use cruelty. You don't bring us down or tear us apart. You don't expose us. You expose the darkness to free us from it. You're a good, good father. All your ways are good. And we just say that. All your ways are good. You're a good God. I'm going to give you guys a journaling prompt. Anyone has a real journal in here? You get brownie points. Who has a journal? Todd, the artist. Good job, Lauren. Um, I'm going to give you guys some questions. And you can write them down on your phone. You can write them down in your journal. But I think it'll help you. It helps me. But I think it'll be really helpful to spend some time thinking through these questions. And just talking to God. Hopefully it starts a good conversation. So I'm sure everyone in the room has had something hard recently. Or at least something. There's probably been a time in 2020 where you said this is hard. Am I right? Anyone in here, uh, everyone in here has said this is hard at, in 2020, right? Yeah. 
just making sure. Okay, if not, that's cool. You could do this for a friend. Um, so first question, what's hard? What is it? Pinpoint it into words, write it down. What is actually hard? I think sometimes we have emotions and we have feelings, but if we don't know what we're calling hard, it can be easy for it to linger longer than it needs to. And then what has challenged you to keep your faith or to keep your eyes on Jesus in this hard time? Visit cedarhousechurch.com.